Welcome to the SaaS Ramp Podcast. Today we have special, special guest, Erica Markham at DocuSign. Welcome to the show, Erica. Thank you. Happy to be here. So I haven't introduced you yet, and uh, there's a lot to say, but will you just let us know a little bit about yourself, where you're at, what company, what your title is right now, just a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Erica Markham. I am the Senior Manager at Field Onboarding at DocuSign, and I live in Denver, Colorado. So not next to one of our home offices. I definitely took advantage of the remote world, actually right before COVID, but living in Denver and working at DocuSign. Yeah, wonderful. Okay. I know there's more to unpack there because the first time we had engaged and met, it wasn't at DocuSign, but had been DocuSign before. And it's been, it's been a ride, an enablement ride. So, uh, so yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe we can just dive all into that. So this will take a minute, but if you would, you can go all the way back to the beginning, tell us about yourself, personal, professional experiences that kind of bring you to, you know, the current opportunity at DocuSign right now. Yeah. And, you know, I think this question is so fascinating because nobody is born into enablement. You know, no one begins their career when they're 22 years old in enablement, unless potentially you had an internship. In fact, we have many interns at DocuSign who then join the enablement team. So I guess those those folks aside, most people come in by way of a different path. And so I think it's fun to learn about other people's journey. So let me share mine. I am the daughter of an architect and interior designer. So naturally I thought in school, well, I definitely need to go to some type of design. Design had to be in the title. And when I was going through the list of majors, I realized that I really wanted to get out in four years. That was really important to me. Don't ask me why. So that scratched off architect and interior designer. And I heard about instructional design. So a professor kind of took me under his wing and all through college, I studied instructional design technology. I used to work at the, in the distance learning technology lab, running the Wimba classroom, if anyone remembers, and maybe this is still how we do it, distance learning technologies where there's a whole classroom, although I think Zoom might have taken over that. And then, you know, helping the teachers learn Blackboard Vista. So that was my first experience into just instructional design. And then from there, I got a job of working as a contractor through a company called Mosaic, working for PG&E, which you may have heard of. They're in the news, not necessarily for the best reasons. They have uh, fires. And uh, we've had a couple of fires with PG&E. But anyway, I digress. Working at PG&E, I was brought in to help build apprenticeship programs. So for the first five years of my career, I built training in a very instructor-led environment, a very hands-on environment. And it was, it was fun and different and interesting. And I wore a hard hat to work almost every day. And then from there, I thought, gosh, I'm living in the suburbs. I'm in my, you know, early 20s. I really want to experience what, what the city's like. So I moved from the Bay Area into San Francisco City and got a job working at DocuSign as an instructional designer and facilitator in sales enablement which was my path in. So I came in with no experience in sales. I, I sold Cutco knives when I was 18. I think a lot hey, of people did. Yeah. <laughs> did you sell those too, Pete? No, but listen, I had, from my experience in education, like that was, that was there, there was plenty of my former athletes. I don't know, it was always the athletes, oh. not, not necessarily like my, my science students, but like the, the soccer players, as, as it were that went into, you know, they'd go up to college. And then I think it was the time period is just super popular there for a, for a period of time. And they'd show back up to like, coach, would you like the world's sharpest knife? I'm like, you with cut coat too? 
And because there's like a hierarchy of them. Like yeah, see, yeah, yeah, yeah. Later on, four years later, would have the juniors. And so my whole soccer team was selling Cutco knives. So anyway, that's why it makes me oh smile. Oh my gosh. I kind of laugh a little bit. Yours is much more, I, I know I'm breaking in here, but like <laughs> you moving straight into instructional design and then moving into enablement is probably the most straightforward pathway into enablement I've actually heard yet. Because it is, when you made mention that like nobody goes to school for enablement, sales enablement, customer teams enablement, whatever it happens to be, like that's, that's completely true. I've not met anybody who's like done that. So the, the path into instructional design is straight through. It's about as straightforward as somebody moving into maybe an account executive type position into management and then taking the, uh, taking the, the step over into enablement to kind of like, you know, to, exp to scale out the, the aid that they're given within the management position. So I don't know, kudos to you on actually doing that straight on through. And, and that's, that's the first time, these are my notes, by the way, that's the first time you landed at DocuSign then. So that was, that was yeah. round one into DocuSign, into sales enablement. It was. And you know, what's interesting is there were so many opportunities. Well, I take that back. There were not a lot of opportunities at that time in sales enablement. You know, the, the only job when I was searching for instructional designer, and you're right, they do align because instructional design is the study of how adults learn. How do I design training that resonates with my audience? And so there's a whole, it's the science behind how do I put together thoughtful training? How do I understand what I need to, to train on? What is the gap, right? All the, you know, how do I measure what I'm doing in this organization? And so it was so easy when it was a hands-on task, right? I can go inspect. Did you put the meter together correctly or not? Did you leave a hazard? I can check for gas. Is gas leaking? You know, if we have simulated energy modules where, where they'd line with climb a pole. Did you climb the pole efficiently and, and did you get fake zapped? And if so, you know, you failed. It's a lot harder in, in this world. And I think that's why the word, if you search for instructional design technology back then, it was, it was rarer. And so the options when I was searching at the time were DocuSign. There's a car company that was looking for instructional designers to build out some maps. And Tesla was the other one that was hiring actually a lot at that time. And I, and they offered me a job and I, I decided I wanted to try tech. So I said, no, but they were hiring designers to build meaning for the car mechanics. If you wanted to learn how to rebuild a Tesla after a car crash, your body shop had to go through Tesla training in order to be certified to rebuild a Tesla. So and it was just very interesting. You, you enter the world of sales enablement, you think about training in general, it's all, there are a lot of different paths in the world related to training, instructional design. Specifically in sales enablement, it just wasn't a thing yet. And, but DocuSign, DocuSign had caught on early, which was fun to be a part of. And I will say, I mean, I joined, there were seven people on the team. One was an intern. So six and an intern. There are, oh, I think there's 60 people on the team now. Wow. 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 Six wow. years. Yeah. How many, so, how many total employees at DocuSign today? That's a great question. I, I just rejoined. Like, I think it's over 8,000, somewhere in 8, there. Yeah. I was like, even ballpark over 8,000. Okay. That is interesting yeah. on, on the sheer numbers. Cause you're always wondering about the ratios and things like that. The Absolutely. first, so the first time you were at DocuSign though, this is, this is obviously pre pandemic. This is like, there's going to be remote or field sales reps, but there's going to be a lot of people still coming into headquarters. I imagine like, it won't just be like the world has gone remote and 90% stayed remote. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, entering DocuSign at that time, and I entered onto the onboarding team, right? It was instructional designer and facilitator. So half of my job was to help facilitate. Uh, we had a monthly boot camp, And what, what has been interesting, and I'm 
thinking through the challenges of where the company is now and kind of looking back to why we're where we are now when it in relation just to onboarding. We had a great in-person boot camp. We used to fly in the entire country to Seattle and have an in-person training complete with snack room with, you know, gummy bears and M&Ms and pretzels and apples and, you know, just, and I'm sure if any of you guys have gone back to the office, hopefully you have your snack rooms. I admittedly, that was, I think, one of the coolest things in my mid-20s joining a tech company. It was like free lunch. Oh, oh, and if, yeah, like all the Costco things were just lined up, like anything yeah. you could ever have from Costco. You're in Seattle too. That was the same in, in Chattanooga, Tennessee, where I joined my first SaaS startup. So it was, and it was, it was the same thing. And it was cold calling and it was in business development. And everybody would mm -hmm. complain, you know, because it's cold calling, it's business development, it's very difficult. And there's a lot of rejection. And I had come from the educational space, though, like I mentioned. And so everybody's like, this is the worst. This is so hard. This is like 30, 60 calls per day. And, uh, and I was over there like, have you tried the cashews, though? The cashews in the local in education, like you get so much as like a teacher appreciation day once a year. So yeah, something to be said for that little, that little snack room there. And there's good camaraderie that happens and people can go and there's an osmosis or diffusion, I guess, maybe that happens in that atmosphere where you're physically around people. You can look on people's screens next to you. Not everything has to be so structured and aligned to give it like an individual, unique digital experience. So those boot camps, I mean, they can, they can start to come back now, but there's, there's been a period of time that they've, they've just evaporated. They've kind of, they, another way had to have been found. So that was such a, that was such a pleasant experience. I will have to say though, I'm reminiscing a little yeah. bit with you. No, and I, and you're so right. And I, I, for the companies that are bringing them back, I'm, I'm so excited for you to be able to have and create that experience again, because it is fun. It is so fun. But what we've gone through with COVID, it hasn't been, you know, two weeks, it's been two years. And so people's lifestyles have changed. My lifestyle has changed. I'm, I'm in a position where I'm not going to move back to San Francisco and and, you know, go to the office. I'm not going to move to Seattle and go to the office. I, I do expect to be able to work remotely. And so what does that mean for running an onboarding program, right? How do you create an environment virtually? And that's something that I think every company is challenged with. It's, I've, we're probably maybe sick of hearing, like, how do you fix it? But at the same time, I've learned so much from other companies, what they've done and what they're looking to do. And I'd love to share some of some of the pain that I'm recognizing now in DocuSign, it's, it's interesting to have left and come back and see, oh, we took our in-person boot camp and we put it online when COVID hit. And that's it. So we had a global you know, team that used to fly into Seattle and everyone was in the same room and it was great camaraderie once a month. Now we do the exact same thing and we do create, we have really unique ways that we've helped bridge the gap on how do we get people together to do something fun and creative during boot camp? And we've come up with those things. Those are, and it takes a lot of legwork on, on the team, I will say. There's a lot of, you know, behind the scenes, I want to put some of the development reps together and have them do some pre-work. And now they've got a friend that they can talk to. And maybe their friend is, you know, the offices. We went from, you know, two or three to hundreds. Everyone's office is the, you know, me, I'm in my kitchen, right? It's everyone's right. office is all over the world. So we have created some of those those things, but I look at the team and we're running that global program three times per day for three different time zones. And that's, mm. you know, three hours at a time. That's nine hours of just facilitation. In fact, we're, we're in it right now. This week is a facilitation week and it's, it's crazy. It's hard on the facilitators and it's hard on the students who are coming in and they might get like 
worn out Erica, right? Like it's my third time of the day. It is morning in Singapore and in Tokyo and in, you know, Australia and Sydney, but I'm on my third group. I'm like drinking tea, trying to like, you know, massage my vocal cords. <laughs> oh my so, gosh. That, so that is back up two, two steps because it may seem obvious because the role you're in and what you're doing all day, every day, but you have a very distinct and it's in, in the same company because, and again, we can go back and, and hit the, the middle chunk or whatever, but you're at DocuSign previously, at DocuSign again, and in between remote remote work went viral. Everybody's like, do it. That is what they're doing, especially in tech where, you know, we're, we are more equipped for it than everybody else. And it just, it accelerated something that was already naturally happening, especially with, with field reps being located in various cities and geos across the globe. So what were the challenges when you returned and like, which, and like, could you categorize them as like, this is like post COVID life. And this is just like DocuSign has moved to an 8,000 employee organization, like which is part of the growth and which is part of the, the remote lifestyle. Yeah. And you make such a great point that maybe we were already trending in this, in a remote world anyways, right? With technology, the more technology we have in the world the more able we were able to work remote. I went remote right before COVID actually, right? So it was an option, maybe not to, to everyone, but it was an option for some roles to be remote. So now coming back, gone through COVID and figuring out how do we improve what's going on now? You know, the one of the biggest ones is we went straight to how do we recreate what we were doing in person virtually. Yeah. And we didn't bring in the other regions to say, and can you facilitate in, in Australia? And can you facilitate in Brazil? And can you facilitate in Ireland and in London? And because of that, you know, we have an onboarding team, the way the team is structured and the expectations of the team are such that you will deliver onboarding because you are the onboarding team. And there's a flavor to that that's true. Like, absolutely, we are the onboarding team. That is our job. And is it working? Is this, is this what makes the most sense that I'm delivering training to an audience and I can't speak Portuguese, right? So when we're mm -hmm. speaking with Brazil, it's how much of that is translating versus someone being able to speak in the local language. So I think a big part of, you know, of COVID that we haven't come back from it, and I don't see DocuSign moving back to the in-person boot camps right now, at least. I don't know if about never, I don't have a crystal ball, but right now I don't think that's going to happen and that's okay. So how do we plan for, for, bootcamp to continue and onboarding to continue where it's regionalized. But how do you do that in a way that the regions haven't just gone haywire, you know, like, okay, I'm going to go build my own, you know, onboarding. Bye. Yeah, that's not happening. That's, that would be chaos because we do have one CEO, one vision, one set of company goals. And so how do we make sure that we have the same, we're breathing the same oxygen in all the different countries. So that's something we're working through right now. And it's been a really fun challenge. In fact, that is the reason I chose to come back to DocuSign. Um, if you guys were looking for jobs a couple months ago and, and maybe still now, hot job market in enablement. It might still be really hot. So in trying to make a decision on where to go, it was I was excited about the opportunity to figure out how do we how do we develop onboarding in a way that people are really excited to go through it. And it, it feels really good because it is such a fun time in your life when you're joining a company. So that's not so like when you're talking about the, the, the global challenges and things like that, first of all, it was like, okay, we'll just, oh, good, good. We'll just recreate that in-person experience, but now we'll do it virtually. 
because it seems like, oh, this might actually have just solved, a, solved an issue for us because otherwise people are going to have to be in these different geographies to do it in person. So like there's, there's a uniformity that might be able to happen to drive like new higher ramp across the globe, you know, once everybody's remote or, you know, but then there's, there's uniqueness. Like there's, there's always been uniqueness of role. Like the sales team's going to be different than the customer success team, different than business development team, for example. But, but you're talking about Portuguese versus like Russian versus English. So that's a, that's just a whole nother ball game. That's, that's very interesting. Like it's not the quick solution. Like there's still unique solutions that have to be delivered and you're going to have the challenge of like virtual delivery. Yeah. And you know, you had asked, you know, what, what's a COVID issue versus like an a expanding issue. And pre COVID, I, I think we, we, at least in my experience, we were hiring mostly English speaking individuals from all over. And that made delivering a live boot camp when everyone flew into Seattle easy. Now, because we're not really going back to that environment, it, it's okay. And the company has you know, evolved in a way that we, we can hire those who just speak the local language. And now because of that, because of that growth, how do I now pivot the onboarding to, to you know, meet their needs? And right now I don't have an answer. Right now it's, you know, it's working with my colleagues in South America to say, hey, you know, here's what we're doing today. Can we, what's the quick fix between now and developing a whole new program? So since I've been back, it's been a lot of what are the low hanging fruits? You know, if there are those who can't speak English, can we get them? Can you, can we arrange smaller group sessions with a local leader there? Right. That's, that's a quick fix. Yeah. And then, you know, the long-term fix is how do you develop a global onboarding program when everyone, the time zones alone, working in Zoom is hard, right? I'm up early to talk to Dublin and then I'm up late to talk to Tokyo and to talk to, to Australia. And so I'm actually sure. in the middle of working to get everyone in person just for a few days, right? Do a lot of pre-work before this in person, but just in, in three days, what can we accomplish? You know, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And, and I think that that investment will be huge. So we'll see what happens. It's coming up in a few weeks from now. So I'm very your, excited. Your enablement team? Would enablement it be like your, your, okay, enablement team gathering so you can actually work with? Yeah. And, and by that, I mean, you know, a regional leader in each area who is going to own onboarding. So the first half of the conversation, you know, has been, yes, we have an onboarding team. And can the onboarding team be responsible for creating the global framework? And can we have a leader, enablement leader in each region come be a part of that conversation? And afterwards, own that piece. So while we have maybe, you know, one person in each region who can own onboarding, they can't work on it in a silo. They can't build it for the whole region by themselves. They also can't do all the, you know, all the development work by themselves. We have, you know, instructional designers on the team, anyone with a skill set in, you know, we use Storyline, we use Rise. So people who can quickly develop some content and then we have other folks who are great at coming up with what's a great in-classroom activity, right? Like what is the breakout experience? And so just thinking about things differently has been that anyways, that's where we're at now. It's a journey. That, it's a, it's a journey. I have, I have a ton of questions about those. Like, like, because I, I would, I am fascinated by new higher ramp. I love going in the weeds with that. And there's like even a, so you mentioned something early and I'll, I'll even go back to it, but I do want to set like the remainder of the context, like you're at DocuSign before, you're DocuSign after, and then there's, because a lot of what we're doing at SaaS Ramp is about this hyper growth that occurs yeah, yeah. between product adoption 
enterprise motion. DocuSign is beyond that. It's just growing and growing and growing. Like this is probably what they did early stage when people, if, if people even like previous to everybody knowing exactly what DocuSign was. However, you did experience a huge dose of that at DocuSign before and then at your next company. So that, that is certainly worth telling about. Like I've, I've, I've not quite heard this before or seen this before. So when, yeah. when I was watching you and what was going on there, I was like, wow, wow. Yeah. It was yeah. a different experience. Yeah. So, so let me share, share the, the story there. So when I was working at DocuSign, I had an opportunity to go build out the sales enablement team and really sales enablement, I say team, sales enablement function. I should start there. There was no team. It was team of one. Right. Like many of you, I know in your, in your companies, right? So I joined a company called Fast. And if you've heard of Fast, amazing. If you haven't, the quick story is that Fast was a was a tech company, a fintech company, and we had a one-click checkout solution. So same on Amazon, you know, buy now is that button, but for the rest of the internet. It's a cool concept, really, really fun place to work. I have worked with such driven, smart individuals. And if you are, you know, if you're working at a company like that now, the thing I love, and I'm sure the thing you love is that you work with everyone that is so driven. I mean, that is, everyone is ambitious, everyone works hard. And so it's like working on a group project, but everyone is working as hard as you versus, you know, maybe in different <laughs> situations, you're the one working hard and you're wondering who else is pulling the weight, right? In, yeah. in, tar in startup world, everyone's working really hard. So at Fast, you know, I went and built, there was nothing. There was no, no enablement when I got there. And I came in with a vision of, all right, well, if we're going to start hiring the first game plan, we need to develop an onboarding program. And what it, well, how do you do that really quickly, right? And I've got, I think we all have really big goals of what onboarding can be and what, what it should be. And what I focused on because of the quick need, right? I mean, you're, you were moving so fast was, okay, who are the teams that they're working with? Who are the teams that, for, who are the people that are coming into onboarding, first of all, who are going through, and you and I chatted about this with the themes, I called it Faster Not Camp. So yeah, yeah, yeah. People that are going through Faster Not Camp, right? What roles? What do they need to know to do their job right away? So a lot of that is tech companies have a lot of tech, right? You'll have, you'll have outreach or a version of outreach. You'll have Salesforce or a version of Salesforce. You might have Zoom Info or a version of Zoom Info, depending on your country. And how do you get them working and living in those systems as quickly as possible? And what people do they need to know to reach out to if they need help? So what are the teams that the people going through bootcamp need to know? Oh, if I have a question here, I can reach out to and leverage this team. And so that was my goal and my approach to building the onboarding program. And I ran it, you know, with one of the other things is you're one person. And meanwhile, you've got you know, people coming through, but you probably only have like, you know, one here, three here, seven here, maybe, right? It, it's kind of a trickle effect. So there's some conversations I did have with HR on in the sales managers to say, if it's possible, if we can kind of group people on, on you know, maybe two Mondays a month, that will give them a better experience because I, as one person, can provide a better experience for them. And that was something that took time and you're not going to win every time because, you know, you don't want to lose the hire either. But that's right. that approach helped guide a more streamlined feeling for people coming into an org and experiencing some type of onboarding where they got to work with other teams. They got to work in the systems and tools and those and, you know, and it's scrappy. That's the other thing I, you really have to embody. I embody it as it's, it's a scrappy world and, and that's okay. It's okay to not go buy the biggest, best 
you know, I said Salesforce and candidly, I don't know the, I'm sure there, there are different CRMs, but it, you know, it doesn't have to be the Salesforce. It's whatever tools are available and you don't need, you know, like a learning management system. I fought for one. Should I have? I think that might've been a mistake. Probably not. Probably too early. And that's something that, you know, you don't have until with, I guess you gain with hindsight. So the end of that story, I guess, is, or, or just to, to skip to the end, maybe I, I probably skipped a few chapters, is that fast, I, I experienced everything in a startup, everything from working all the hours with really brilliant people to producing something I was really proud of and excited about, meeting people like Pete, you know, right? I, and I can't remember if we met on one of the Slack groups or one of the LinkedIn groups. It was one of the Kate, two. You, said you, you mentioned that too, and I couldn't remember if it was through LinkedIn or if it was through like Enablement Squad or something like that. Like there's yeah. like a, there was like the, yeah, it was a Slack group. Exactly. I can't yeah. remember either, but I remember as soon as I looked and saw the company, because it was that, it was that ascent that at Postman we went from. So I started in October, 2020. It was about maybe 25 million ARR and about 250 people. So now it's at like 650 people and 82 million annual recurring revenue. So like that's, it's a hundred percent year over year. And that yeah. includes headcount as headcount and revenue, but fast since 2019 had reached like 400 employees and you were, you were still a solopreneur there. You were still like, you had built the function, but you were a single person. I was like, look, if I, if I think like building this team here is, is, is quite a hyper growth experience. Like what you were doing there was that just settled me down. I was like, okay, it could be worse. All right. Back to work. <laughs> and they're like, it could be worse. Yeah. <laughs> That's like, cause I'm uh, glad I could provide that for you, Pete. So you, yeah. And then you said maybe a little early on an LMS. I mean, it's all relative. Like if that many employees are coming through a function that fast, you have to have some way to digitally, and, and it's all remote. Like, so people are coming through yeah. completely remotely. So how do you scale that through one person? I mean, even at a place like DocuSign with as many hires as you have, talking about three, three rounds per day, three time zones concurrently. It's, you know, so th- those, that I mean, that's probably a whole discussion unto itself, but what you were doing over there, I was like, oh, you are, you are just cranking. So, I, I mean, I guess that has a, that, yeah, you haven't gotten to the end of that story or anything yet, but you, you've got the experience, but you're no longer there. Yeah. So there's something. Yeah. Yeah. And, and thank you for, for that. It, it was a very fast rocket ship, all puns intended, because that was, it was fast. It was a rocket themed. And, and, you know, I think one of the things as you guys are in your orgs to think about uh, and I heard actually this advice this morning from a sales leader. They said, make friends before you need them. And what I took that away to is as soon as you join an org or maybe you've been there for a while, but you haven't met the teams who will help you be better at your job. And I'm talking about the obvious ones, sales ops, who's running Salesforce, like really getting to know them, but also the ones that sometimes product organizations might come up with their own training or their own, you know, product feature launch announcements. Here's a demo video. Really getting to know that team also early on, if you haven't already, I assume you have, but if not, getting to know those people, making friends in those departments before you need to call on them and say, hey, I need a favor. And the favor is related to the growth of the company, of course, but it's just a lot easier to ask those questions when you've already got that connection. I think that's what made me not go insane while we were going through incredible hyper growth. And yes, the the amount of training requested and needed and delivered was was um, was a lot, but unfortunately, the sad ending. And I, I used fast in a past tense earlier. The company, through 
lots of different reasons. There's tons of articles online. You can speculate and read about them online, but the company did not make it. So I got the full startup experience from leaving a major company that was a startup when I joined startup. DocuSign was kind of big when we went public, but it was pre-IPO. Then leaving and going to another, right? Like, oh, we're going to grow it from scratch. We'll be the next unicorn to the company just one day closed its doors. That was April 8th of this year. So there were a lot of very talented individuals that were let loose into the world of tech. And you, if you were on LinkedIn around that time, you probably saw a lot of people get picked up and the conversations go on because it was a talented group of individuals that got picked up. So, um, and then that allowed me to then say, oh gosh, I wasn't ready for the next chapter, right? I was, I was, I was liking the chapter I was in. And I think everyone felt that way. So that was a bummer, but nothing we can do about it other than move forward. And what did we learn? So things I learned that I didn't quite know how to phrase were things like make those friends and work with the teams, your, your go-to-market team. Who's the, who's in charge of strategy? Who's in charge of competition? You, there are roles in your company you may not even know exist. And yeah. yet what they do is so similar to you. So don't all work on the same thing. That was a big thing that I found it fast at least. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great set of lessons. I mean, what an accelerated learning process to go through, you know, through that many growth stages that quickly. And then, and then, you know, and then have a, look, some people don't get closure to what they're working on. Like if you're in training and there's constant iterations and you have like a maintenance and improvement cadence, and you, you mentioned it before, it's not, you know, you have a vision for what onboarding is going to be, but it's always being created and changing. We'll, maybe sometimes you're like, well, close the chapter and like you get that start fresh. There's something that was actually happened in education that I do miss in a way, although tech moves so fast, that I get a little taste of it. But I don't understand how now being in the startup world, I ever existed for 10 years in an educational environment because it's government work. Like it's, 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 it's steady. It's going to be the same thing. But there were semesters. There was a turnover. I would have hundreds of new students every single year and new, new athletes and things like that as well. And so there was like this, this perennial turnover and you could modify your curriculum and move forward, try things like compare it against, you know, it was a, a lot of qualitative data. You're just seeing yeah. how it feels to you as a teacher, but yeah. So that kind of close the door, come back in to DocuSign and then, you know, re-experience that there's things from the startup world that are really helpful for, um, like larger corporations, like even that hustle and that grind and being gritty and like doing things with everything's out of the Google suite now, cause it's free. And I have it uh -huh. right now, <laughs> like, uh -huh. and, and, uh, but then, but then we have some people we've hired in from instructional design have come from like Prudential, for example. And she's like, mm. Hey, you should take that name out of there. And that timestamp will not function because we'll have to, we'll have to update every month, every quarter for sure. Versus maybe we have to update. And I'm like, okay, thanks for that. It's just like, they have lived through so much growth and like, they're just like, it's going to one day be too big to do it this way. So they take out your little. You're a little touchy feely, like everybody come meet the new hires, you and you and you and you and everybody you're bringing them into like a, a manual actual meeting or something like that. So there's, there's, there's things to be learned from each. So that's kind of interesting that you've been on both sides of the spectrum and in quick succession like that as well. Yeah. And Pete, the thing you just said is something actually, when I was talking about that low hanging fruit, one of the things that I'm noticing here that I have this viewpoint is, wow, how many hours are we putting in before bootcamp beach time, right? How many hours am I spending making sure that we have the right groups of people for this pre-work or, or in any of the things that make it feel really, really good that you're proud of and excited about. But even on this scale, this it's, 
yes, it's an established company, but it is quick and there is no time for that kind of stuff. And there wasn't any time for that at fast. And that was, and maybe I have that lens because I just experienced it. I experienced there wasn't any time to do, to show that something could be outdated, right? Everything we use Notion as our, as our internal wiki and synced blocks saved my life. So if I found, you know, a piece of content that someone else created, instead of me writing a dip, writing it in maybe different language, I might do an intro to say the following is taken from something. Please read it in their whatever, and then sync that block. That way I don't have to worry about changing it every time the product updates. So tricks like that to work smarter, not harder. Yeah, I have a saying for that. I don't know if it's I I don't know if it's Southern or if it's just like to kind of just like like GSD. But it's 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 good enough is perfect. Like good enough is perfect. So like, hey, could you review this? I'm like, did you look at it? Did you review it? It's due now. Good enough is perfect. Can you can you ship that? I like in software engineering, they say like f it, ship it. You know, because they like they need to push out that next version early on. Early days, Postman was shipping something every two weeks, and now we're coming into a a more consolidated release schedule. But those things are happening like so fast at those at those early those early stage companies. So. Yeah, the hyper growth makes a big difference. But if things slow down in any way, shape, or form, or things are are leveraging upwards, like you, now you're going to be speaking to only the Fortune 50, and like this, these sales teams are going to be approaching them in a strategic manner, and you're not going to be mm-hmm. transactional. You're going to be strategic in your approach. Now, now it has to be a little bit different. Now, maybe you're touching some of these customer-facing materials, and it's going to need three pairs of eyes instead of one eye, or however it worked for you. Yeah. <laughs> And it changes so rapidly. That's what's been so interesting too about how quickly that can that can go from one to the next. I was gonna say there's there's a Disney Pixar movie called Inside Out that I watched recently, and if I I don't know if you have you seen it. Oh, I have a seven year old. Oh, I, this okay. is what I live by. Yeah. Okay. So for those of you who haven't seen it, there's a, there's a Disney Pixar movie. It's called Inside Out. It's great, and it's all about the emotions and the brain. And I was watching it with I went home over Mother's Day, visited my mom, and. We sat down and watched Inside Out. And while I was watching it, I realized that it it was a great way to illustrate, you know, how emotions work, how we might intake the world around us as kids, as adults. But what I was thinking about the entire time was how it depicted my working relationships. Like, I kind of felt like joy. So in the movie, you know, one character takes over the control panel and doesn't, is very protective of like, no, 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 you can't say that to the sales team. No, 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 you can't say it. And you know, I had all these opinions and feelings and I, I was almost over overdrive working. And it wasn't until I realized that I can't get to where I'm going unless I bring in sales ops to help me do this thing. And I have to really like let go of the reins and let them do their thing. And that realization has created for me such a different mindset shift. And I, and I, I had, I think a bit of it while I was at fast, but I really think most of it happened that mother's day, just, you know, a month ago. And so I have that perspective now as I met DocuSign. And anyways, if you haven't seen the movie, watch it and think about it and give all the characters a name, give sadness, the name of your strategy guy, right? Give anger, the name of your sales ops guy. And then just think about how that plays out as you're working, because it helped me think about things differently. But anyways, that's, that's the creative side in me. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a wonderful. That's so funny. It, you, you said make friends before you need them. And that's what I was going to bring it back around to, because like, it is just a little bit of an insight. It probably doesn't matter if you're a big like corporation and you're, you're dealing in that kind of environment where it's hard to get access to people. Like there's just so many people 
Or if you're in hyper growth mode where everybody's new all the time, it's so like, okay, yet another new person, another new person, but the making friends before you need them. And then um, I really like the, just the, yeah, that emotional tie-in, it probably ties back into even the digital existence that we're trying to make, you know, smoother, better, this onboarding kind of like this, this piece, like that culture piece that everybody's always referencing, but it's kind of hard to tie it into practical applications all the time. Like we just want great culture. What is culture? Hard to define that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. It does bring in, but that whole make friends before you need them. It's an excellent, excellent piece of advice. And we used to, we were, we still do. We do a, a series where we bring the new hires for just short, it's almost like virtual instructor led training, but it's really just an introduction to the various departments and it's on a mm -hmm. monthly cadence. So it's okay. And it's short. And so not every role that we bring is going to necessarily interface with the legal, legal team or necessarily interface with the sales ops team. So mm -hmm. in the purpose, the purpose statement for it, just so it can be one size fits all for like the various roles, it's like, come meet them before you need them. Like it's, that's the purpose statement is literally like, come that. meet them and learn their name before you need something. Cause you're going to need something in three weeks and it's going to be like, Hey, this is my name. Can I have this? And it's like, you know, <laughs> if you want to yeah. have it come back to you, it would be good if you knew something about them or like, or you knew how they like to be reached out to. Is it in Confluence? Is it in Jira? Is it in Slack? Is it in Google? Yeah. You know, like there's so many different yeah. communicate mediums. So in, in a very practical sense, but like, where you're like where you're putting it is kind of a little bit from the heart. So, yeah, that's a wonderful that's a wonderful side to have. That's your instructional designer side. Your you, the, the the whole design thing that you started. With. <laughs> I think that's what. It yeah, I guess so. I we've come full circle, and yeah, while mine was you know feels good, I, your practical application and tip is huge. Having you know the we we had something called a squad selling playbook that was exactly that, and I think that that's important to share because it's a really great practical way to say. How do you engage with this person? What's a case study of a time where legal was involved and it helped the sales rep? How? You know, like that, that is a one slide per group, you know, activity that you could do during a week. And it's a fantastic asset. But anyway, so I like your practical approach as well. Love it. Well, that's, that's a, that's a perfect wrap on Erica. Thank you so, so much for all the insights, all the, the, the journey, the, the places let you back and forth and back again. Really, really interesting tale. And I think everybody gained a lot of value from hearing it. Thank you, Pete. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. Yeah.